Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. So listen, it's time to dive into the Word of God. If you don't mind, grab your Bibles, turn with me to the book of John, the Gospel of John, chapter 10. Gospel of John, chapter 10. We'll be reading today from the New Living Translation, all except for one, uh, one scripture reference will be in the NIV. John chapter 10. It says this, All who came before me, this is Jesus speaking, all who came before me were thieves and robbers. But the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate, Jesus said. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose, Jesus' whole reason for coming, is to give the sheep a rich and satisfying life. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd, look at this, sacrifices his life for the sheep. Let's jump down to 17 and 18 as he wraps up this analogy that he's using here. The Father loves me because I sacrifice my life so I may take it back again no one listen Jesus said no one that's Greek for no one no one can take my life from me for I have the authority to lay it down when I want to and also to take it up again for this is what my father has commanded let's pray father we just thank you for your presence thank you for honoring us that the opportunity to be in your presence is an overwhelming privilege that we didn't and couldn't earn. And the fact that you show up where two or three are gathered in your name, the fact that you've promised never to leave us and never to forsake us is, is a promise that I'll never understand why you did it. But God, we are so grateful that you did. That for what you did for us through your son, Jesus, on the cross, we are forever grateful. I pray that today we will hear your word, and Lord, more than hear it, that we will understand it and put it into practice in our lives. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Oh, every Easter, it it rings in my ears, and it may not be stated out loud, but people come to church at Easter and very often they hear the same message or the same types of messages, right? I'm 51 years old. I've been in church at Easter, 52 times, because I was there nine months before I was born, right? So you come and you hear the same things over and over again. And, and, and a lot of times people walk away wondering, what difference does this make in my life? What difference does it make that, a, that some teacher, some prophet 2,000 years ago lived and died? What does that have anything to do with my 2021? And even if he did rise from the dead, as people claim he did, I really don't see how that does anything for me in my life. Well, that's the, those are the questions I want to answer today. 
And what I want to do is show you that what Jesus did in the weekend that we now refer to as the first Easter was really not even just a one-time event. Jesus established a pattern on that day that will lead us. He said the purpose was to lead us to a rich and satisfying life. That was his promise to us in John chapter 10. Now, it doesn't mean a life that's characterized by every worldly thing that you could ever hope for. It doesn't mean that that, uh, we get a life where everything goes just like we want it to go. That was never the promise or the intention of Jesus. The purpose of Jesus for the sheep is that we find uh, that we find satisfaction in our relationship with the king and in the work of the kingdom. A life that is completely different from the one that that was offered to us by the devil, who Jesus calls a thief. The life that the devil offers to us always leads to chains of bondage. The life that Jesus came to give us is a life of freedom. That's 180 degrees from the life, from the old life that we had before we came to Jesus. So today we're going to talk about going from chained to changed. Going from chained to chained. Changed. Okay, see, I can't even say it. So if you can't say it, that's okay. Um, so how did Jesus provide the way to go from chained to changed? He tells us in the passage that we just read. He said it's a three-step process. Jesus said, I've got the power to lay my life down. See, nobody kills Jesus. You can't kill Jesus. He decides if he's going to die or not. He said, I've got the authority to lay my life down. That's step one. Then he said, I have the authority to take my life back again. That's step three. Step two happened between those two steps. What's he talking about? Death, burial, resurrection. Isn't that what he said? I'm going to lay my life down. I'm going to take my life up again. In the meantime, I'm going to be temporarily in the grave. Death, burial, resurrection. That's how he's going to give us the abundant life that he promised. And if we are followers of Jesus, our lives will be characterized by that same process, not just one time, but over and over and over again. Now, first, we have to look at the event the event that we're talking about today where Jesus was dead, buried, and rose from the grave. Let, let's look at that, and we're going to see what, that what happened on Easter affects every one of our todays and our ability to have an abundant life. So let's look at the event. Matthew chapter 20, Matthew 20 and 28, Jesus said, Even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others. And then look at this. And to give his life. As a ransom for many. Jesus died as a ransom. He died as payment for our sins. We were bound by the chains of our own sin. Born that way because of our great great grandparents Adam and Eve. But but also because of the sins that we all committed if we're being honest. Ain't nobody innocent in this place today. Right, So Jesus died for our sins. Had he not died, we would still be responsible for our own sin. And then the payment, the penalty for sin is always death. We would have had to die for our own sin. But thank God, Jesus died for us. Amen? That's his death. And please don't miss the fact that his death was a decision. His death 
was a decision that he made in the Garden of Gethsemane not to follow his own will, but to submit himself to the will of the Father. His death was a decision. We're going to circle back to that in just a minute. Here's step two in the event. That's the death. Look at Matthew 27, verses 59 and 60. Joseph took the body of Jesus. He wrapped it in a long sheet of clean linen cloth. And he placed it in his own new tomb, which had been carved out of the rock. Then he rolled a great stone across the entrance and left. One of the followers of Jesus, Joseph from a place called Arimathea, took the body of Jesus down from the cross. And he placed the body of Jesus in the tomb. He was buried in that tomb. Now, what did Jesus do there? Well, he didn't do like the kids said on the video as we opened service. He wasn't eating Cheetos and drinking Coke. He wasn't playing Candyland. Uh, he, he had a purpose for being buried. What did he do? That's found in Revelation chapter 1, verses 17 and 18. The, the apostle John said, When I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I were dead. But he laid his right hand on me, and Jesus said, Don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I died, right, the death. But look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and the grave. He had to be buried in order to conquer death and the grave. He's got the key because Jesus went and took the key, right? And he did that. Because he did that, we have hope that death and the grave are not the end for us. I've done two funerals in the last week, and and they are always a reminder to me that when we close our eyes on this earth, we will open them in eternity. That this world is not our home for anybody. That this life is not the end for anybody. Whether you've bowed your knee to Jesus as Lord or not, this life is not the end. And Jesus' death and burial have a huge and direct impact on every human being on this earth. Because he conquered death and the grave. So there's his, his death There's his burial. Let's look at the third step that Jesus said would lead us to the abundant life he has. Matthew 28, verse 1, and then 5 through 6. Early on Sunday morning as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to visit the tomb. The angel spoke to the women and said, Don't be afraid. I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead just as he said would happen. Come and see where the body was lying. Jesus died on the cross. He was buried in the tomb, but he conquered death and the grave forever when he rose from the dead. Now, why is that important? Well, I want to show you why it's important. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 tells us why his resurrection is important. The Apostle Paul said, if there, was no, if there is no resurrection from the dead, like when you close your eyes and you're done, you just go to sleep and you're done. If there's no resurrection from the dead, then Christ hasn't been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless And you're still guilty of your sins. That is a hopeless situation to be in. 
When you put your faith in something that has no power to change your situation, that's the very definition of hopeless. As a matter of fact, in the next couple of verses, the Apostle Paul said, if this life only is, if in this life only is our hope, then we're of all men most miserable because we have a religion with no power to change our relationship with God. But in fact, verse 20, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who died. Why is the resurrection of Jesus important? It's important because his death and burial are not enough. There had to be a resurrection to complete the process and to bring us the opportunity for the rich and abundant life that he promised. He laid, it, he laid his life down in death. He was buried and he was raised back to life in the resurrection. And because of that, when we repent of our sins, when we receive his substitutionary work that he gave to us on the cross, we are forgiven and free. Through the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus, our chains are gone and we are changed. Amen? Amen. Amen. Changed forever, forgiven, forgotten, for good. Now, there's another reason why this process, this death, burial, and resurrection is important. That's because Jesus wasn't the only one who experienced a death, burial, and resurrection. I want to show it to you in Romans chapter 6, verses 3 through 4 in the NIV. It says, or don't you know that all of us who were baptized, look, when we see baptism, we think of into water. That's not what he says. Though all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. We were therefore buried with him through baptism, the baptism into Christ, into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may have a new life. See, when we're born again, the Holy Spirit baptizes us into Christ. That's the moment of salvation for us. That means we have shared in his death, burial, and resurrection. That's how we can have new life. We've been through the process just like Jesus has. So we have moved, spiritually speaking, from chains to changed. From our old sinful life to our new spiritual life. Let me show it to you in another way. This is Galatians chapter 2. The Apostle Paul said it this way here. My old self has what? I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The life that we live is a brand new, rich, and abundant life because we have been crucified with Christ, buried with him, and resurrected to a brand new life. Now, in just a few minutes, we're going we're gonna to baptize some folks in water. This is not their moment of salvation. They've already experienced that moment of salvation when they were baptized into Christ when they accepted the Lord as their Lord and Savior. And I've communicated with their parents. I am assured of their, of their salvation and their profession of faith. And that's why we're going to baptize them today. Water baptism doesn't provide the salvation. We know that in a number of ways. We know it because we're saved by grace through faith, not through works. There is nothing we can do to earn salvation. 
We also know that in Acts chapter 10, there was a room full of people who were saved, baptized in the Holy Spirit before they were ever baptized in water. So water baptism is not salvation. It's a public declaration and a symbol of the spiritual process that's already taken place. The death, the burial, the resurrection that leads us from chained to changed. See, when you made a decision to die to yourself and follow Christ, you were buried with him in that grave. That's what Romans chapter 6 says. And you were raised to life with him in the resurrection. That's what water baptism demonstrates. Going back into the water demonstrates your death. Being under the water demonstrates your burial. Being brought back up demonstrates the resurrection. That's what it symbolizes. But listen to me. If you haven't placed your faith in Jesus, if you haven't experienced the death, burial, and resurrection spiritually through faith in Jesus Christ, then baptism will leave you wet, but it will not leave you free from your sins. So you can see that the events of Easter have a huge impact on us today. The death, burial, Resurrection of Jesus allows us to move from the chains of our sins to a completely forgiven life, from chained to changed. But it's not just a one-time process. It, it not, it, not just for Jesus. It was for Jesus, but it's not for us. It's a daily process. Why? Because remember the purpose of the shepherd. The good shepherd wants you to have a rich and abundant and satisfying life in the kingdom. How do you do that? By following the shepherd, by becoming more like him and following him every day. How does that happen? Matthew 16 tells us how that happens. Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, here's what you do. You turn from your selfish ways, you take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. If you give up your life for my sake, you'll save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but you lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? Why in the world would we try to protect the 70 or so years that we have on this earth and give up the eternity that we're offered with Christ Jesus? Why would we try to hold on to the little bit that we can wrap our arms around now and give up everything for a time that never ends? Jesus expects his followers to die to themselves, to die to their sins, to die to their preferences, to die to their will, to die to their own plans and hopes and dreams, to die to putting themselves first, to die to insisting on their own way. Just like Jesus took up his cross and was crucified, he expects us as his followers to take up our crosses and follow him too. You say, yeah, John, hey, I get it. I'm with you, man. That's right there in the Bible. I'm right there with you. But that's a one-time deal, right? We say the prayer, we do the deal, and it's done, right? Let's look at Luke chapter 9. See what Jesus said. He said this to the crowd. It was another time that he was teaching. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways. We've heard that, right? Take up your cross. Oh, man, an adverb. Daily. 
and follow me. Daily. If we want to, to become like Christ, if we want to live in the glorious and abundant freedom that he died for us, then we have to die daily. When you're a believer in Christ, every day is Good Friday. Every day you have to make the decision to be crucified. That's the first part of the process for us. The daily process is to die. Here's the second part, 2 Corinthians Chapter 6 and verse 17. Therefore, come out from among unbelievers and separate yourself from them. We have to be different, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things, and I will welcome you. James 4 and 4 says it this way. You adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world... He's talking about spiritual adultery here. Friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God. You can't have it both ways, in other words. It says, I say it again, if you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. The second part of the process is being buried. That sounds really weird, I know, but it's really important. Being buried is a separation of yourself from the ways of the world. It's not allowing yourself to become a lover of the world so that you may become a friend of God. It's cutting off the old habits the old patterns of your old life, so that you can learn to walk in your new life. If Jesus had not died and been buried, he could never have experienced the resurrection. You see, there are so many people in our churches that that wonder where the freedom is. They wonder where the evidence of their new life is. The question I have to ask this morning is this. Have you truly died to yourself? Every day? Or have you cut yourself off from the world? Have you buried yourself and your old life? Those things are necessary. Those steps are necessary before you can walk in the newness and the beauty of the resurrection. So we have the death and the burial. What about the resurrection? Well, how does that happen? Romans 8 tells us how that happens. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Who raised Jesus from the dead? What does it say? Y'all weren't listening. What does it say? Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. Do you know where the resurrection power of Jesus came from? The Holy Spirit. He raised Jesus from the grave. You you know who's going to give you the power to experience freedom and true life change? Do you know who's going to give you the power to move from chained to changed? The Holy Spirit. The same Spirit who raised Jesus from the grave is alive in you if you are a believer. That's what the Word said. You say, but I'm not experiencing this abundant life that you're talking about then you need to surrender your life to the Holy Spirit. And you need to do it as often as you die to yourself, which is every day. Isn't that what Jesus said? It's the process. Death, burial, resurrection. Or maybe you want to put it this way. How do I find this abundant life? How do I walk in this newness of life? Die to yourself. Separate yourself. Surrender yourself. Die to yourself, separate yourself, surrender yourself. 
That's the process. That's the key. And that's why Easter is as important now as it was 2,000 years ago. Because it's not just an event. It's a process that he uses to make you more like him and to lead us to the abundant life that we want. That's how you move from chained to changed. Now, the incredible thing about this is that it's not just a big picture, grand scale of saving us, saving souls from the penalty, of, of paying the penalty for our own sins. It works on a smaller scale every day for the individual trying to overcome a habit or a problem. Let me show you how this works. But, but first, let me ask you a question. What chains are still present in your life? What chains are still hanging on your heart? Is it sin Is it unforgiveness? Is it pain? Some hurt from the past? The way Jesus saved us 2,000 years ago is the way that he still saves us every day. Death, burial, and resurrection. Let me show you this process. Romans 13. Romans 13, starting in verse 11. This is all the more urgent, for you know how late it is. Time is running out. Wake up. For our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. If there's anything that's true today, that's true, right? The time is near. The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. So remove, remove your dark deeds. That's a decision. Remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on the shining armor of right living. Because we belong to the day. We must live decent lives for all to see. Don't participate. Don't. It's a decision. Don't participate in the drunk in the darkness of wild parties and drunkenness or in sexual promiscuity and immoral living or in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, two important keys here, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ and don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. Now let's say before you got saved, you partied and got drunk on a pretty regular basis. Or maybe you struggled with jealousy or with sexual immorality. But you've experienced the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, and you've been given a brand new life. And the Bible says the old life is gone, the new life has come, all things have become new. And that's true spiritually. But there may remain some urges, some habits that have to be removed in order for you to become like Jesus. So what do you do? This scripture we just read lays out the path. Since you're a follower of Jesus, he says you have to stop doing the things that you used to do. You have to decide not to participate. So you make a decision. I'm not going to be sexually immoral. I'm not going to party and get drunk. I'm not going to let jealousy rule my life. I'm not going to do all those things. I'm not. You may have absolutely no idea how to not to. That didn't even make sense, did it? But you knew what I was talking about. That's straight out of cars. That's Mater right there, the gospel of Mater. You don't have any idea how to not to. But you have to make a decision that something's going to change. Right? You make a decision. Before you figure out how to do it, you're just like, I am not doing that again. That's dying to yourself. But you got all these, you've still got all these desires. What do you do? The last verse tells us you bury yourself, you separate yourself from those things. It says, don't let yourself even think of ways to fulfill those sinful desires. So that means don't go around the places or the people that will tempt you to go there or do those things. 
As far as you're concerned, those things are dead and buried in your life. But there's one more step. But the the verse tells us, clothe yourself with what? The presence of Jesus. That's the Holy Spirit, y'all. It's the Holy Spirit. That's the resurrection power. So when you're tempted to sin, you decide to put that thing to death. You separate yourself from that temptation. And then you surrender yourself to the Holy Spirit. That means you read his word, you phone a friend, a godly friend, you listen to worship music, you do whatever it takes until the temptation's over. And eventually, your sensitivity to that particular sin will get less and less because you've replaced it by something that's better. You see how this works? Sometimes, do you see how this works? It, sometimes it's not a sin, sometimes it's just it's a hurt It's a pain from the past that prevents us from living that abundant life. Let's say we have a problem with our tempers. I would ask for a show of hands how many people have occasionally had a problem with your temper, but I don't want to tempt you to lie in the house of the Lord. Okay, So let's just assume all of us at one time or the other has had a temper problem. All right. So let's say something happens that's going to make you, that makes you mad. Maybe it already happened today on the way to the Lord's house. Maybe it's going to happen before you get to wherever it is you're going after you leave. It's going to ha- Eventually, the opportunity to be mad is going to present itself. You have a decision to make. You have a decision to make. Like, no, man, when I get mad, it's just off. No, you have a decision to make. You have to make the decision to die in that moment. Here's what I know. I've been on this earth for 51 years. When I'm presented with an opportunity to get mad, I can do it the way I've been doing it, or I can decide in that moment, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I don't like where the last 50 years have gotten me, so I'm going to do something different. So you make the decision to die. Then you bury those old reactions. You're like, I know what I would do. I'm going to bury all of that. Under like 20 feet of dirt. Because six won't do. I'm going to put it all in the ground. I'm going to kick the dirt over it. All those thought processes. All those connections. All those things you did to me 26 years ago that I still hadn't forgotten about. I'm going to put all of that in the grave. Then I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to calm me down. To shut my mouth. Y'all ain't never prayed for the Holy Spirit to shut your mouth. You need to be doing that now. Like every day praying for that and to give you a better way forward kids if y'all parents ain't ever stopped in the middle and said lord jesus you need to pray for your parents because they need to talk to the lord before they strangle the life out of you right that's the process you die to yourself, you bury the old ways, and you allow the resurrection power to teach you something new that will glorify him and bring life instead of death. And it's the same pattern when you're offended, when somebody hurts your feelings, when unforgiveness rises up, when there's some pain from your past that comes up. Anything that can be a hindrance to you having the rich and satisfying life that Jesus died on the cross to provide for you can be conquered using this process. Die to yourself, separate yourself, surrender yourself. You say, John, I'm just not, I'm just not strong enough to change. Yes, you are. You're not in your flesh 
But you have to follow the pattern that Jesus gave. We're, we're, de- we're depending on and surrender to the Holy Spirit. He's got all the power that you need. You say, John, I don't have any willpower. You don't need willpower. You need God's power. The fruit of the Spirit is what? Self-control. The one we never talk about, but the one we need the most. He gives it to you. He's not depending on you to grow it. He's depending on you to surrender to Him so He can provide it. So listen, you say, oh, John, I don't know. This sounds hard, man. This sounds hard. I got a lot of sin. I got a lot of stuff in my life. Well, let me ask you this. What's easier? What do you think is easier? Helping you not to party and drink or to be sexually immoral or to live by jealousy or any of the thousand other sins that we may have that are, that are nipping at our heels. Is it easier to help you not to do that or to raise a man from the dead? Which one's easier? Because the Holy Spirit does both. And it's not a strain. Your, your sin is not a big deal in his life. It's not. He has more than enough power. That's why the Holy Spirit, that's why Romans talks about walking in the Spirit and not in the flesh. Every day you decide to die to yourself, to bury those old habits, those old urges by getting as far away from them as you can. And then when you do that, you surrender to the Holy Spirit and you get all the power that you need to change. Death, burial, resurrection wasn't just a one-time thing that Jesus did 2,000 years ago. It's a daily decision for a follower of Jesus. It's the process that leads us from chained to changed. Why don't you stand with me, please? So the book of James... Chapter 1 says that it doesn't do you any good to listen to the Word of God. It doesn't do you any good to hear it if you don't do it. And so as, as incredible as our time of worship was and, and just basking in the, in the glory of His presence in that moment, as, as powerful as the Word of God is all by itself, regardless of who the messenger is, if we don't take time to think about it, to understand it, and to decide to put it into practice, then we've all wasted our time. Y'all look cute. You took a shower. But we wasted our time if we don't spend some time listening to what the Holy Spirit has to say to us. So here's what we're going to do. As we do every week, I'm going to open this altar. If you'd like to come and pray about anything, you can come and pray. It doesn't have to be about this message. But, but I think there are a few ways that you can respond to this message. First of all, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, if you're still bound by the chains of your sin, you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, you are the most important person in this room. And I would love for you to come forward and let me, let me or another member of the team lead you to a relationship with Jesus. Most important decision you'll ever make in your life. Secondly, if you have made that decision and you have been following Jesus, but you're still bound by some of those old, by some of the grave clothes, still bound by the chains. Jesus unlocked the chains, but you're still dragging them around. You can be free from those chains. Let me encourage you to come and begin to pray about those specific things that are holding you down. Also, a third way that you might respond. You might say, you know what, John? I never heard water baptism explained that way. I didn't really know what that was about. I've been saved. I'd kind of like to do that. Well, listen, we got some clothes back here. 
somewhere. We got clothes. We got towels. If you want to be baptized in water today and, and the Lord just kind of leading you to do that, we will find a way for you to be taken care of. I, I've learned this in my life. When the Spirit says it's time, you need to move. Okay? So if you want to come and be baptized, I'd be honored to do that today. So if you're already planning to be baptized and you haven't changed clothes to get ready, y'all go ahead and dismiss yourselves and get changed and then just come and hang out right here and I'll be with you in just a moment. But we have to do business with the Lord first and foremost above everything else. Would you pray with me? They're going to sing and then the altar will be open. Father, I thank you for the chance to be in your house. I thank you, I thank you for the chance to, to, be, uh, to be here uh, online, however it is that we've gotten here to this moment in time, I thank you for it. And Lord, I pray that you would draw people to this altar. Lord, draw people to this moment that you want to spend with them. However it is that, that you uh, want to interact with them, whatever their need is, Lord, it may not have anything to do with this. They may have a decision to make. They may be facing a physical battle. They may, be, uh, they may have a decision to make. They may have a relationship issue, whatever it is, God draw them to this place and I know that when you do you'll meet them here Lord if you want them to pray in their seat you want them to pray in their living room, in their car wherever they are God, just meet them there in their moment of need and we're just grateful and thankful for all the ways that you speak to us in Jesus name, Amen We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.